Hello, everyone. This is Hank Suttala. And I am Casey McBride. And this is Stir Crazy Shamans. We are so happy that you are joining us today. My goodness, I love that beginning so much. We are just going to stick with that. <laughs> but, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but, but anyway, everyone, my name is Hank Suttala, and this is Casey. And we, uh, during this, my phone, I should silence my own phone during my own uh, web stream, shouldn't I? Shame on you. Shame. No, shame on me. <laughs> Terrible. I'm so going to judge myself for that one. <laughs> no, but that's actually going to be a segue into our topic, because today we're talking all about manifestation and co-creating with the universe. And one of the number one reasons why uh, that is hindered is because of judgment and judging ourselves and judging things around us. And it just kind of hamstrings the universe, hamstrings ourselves to not be able to create. Right. So any idea we have about ourselves and our capabilities, et cetera, is going to create, like Hank always says, these glass ceilings for us. Uh, so if we have any idea around, say like finances, for example, uh, we have the idea that, you know, um, I, I'm only, you know, it, I'm only comfortable making so much. And like Hank always makes the example of like, you know, if people are really rich, then they're not happy. Rich people can't be happy or for whatever reason. If you have any idea like that, then you're saying to the universe, okay, I'm only allowed to go to here as far as my finances. And outside of that is either unattainable or uncomfortable, or I shouldn't go there. So if you're consciously trying to manifest a million dollars, but subconsciously you still have that sort of paradigm and mindset and self-judgment about it, then you're going to keep yourself from really being able to create that reality. Right. I call it like your subconscious is out manifesting your consciousness is kind of <laughs> what, what that comes down to. And a lot of the things that are the, the, in the subconscious are things that you don't even remember from childhood. So one example, if you have siblings and your one, your one sibling is the responsible one and your, and your parents said, hey, why can't you be like your brother or your sister or whoever? you know they're so responsible and you align and agree with or resist or react to that role right so like somewhere you say yeah i'm never going to be as successful as my brother and you agree with that that is a glass ceiling too because no matter what you're looking to create you're always cutting yourself off before when you would become more more successful in your point of view than a sibling for example yeah and i think that can apply with many many things not just with uh, like success in finances, but even, you know, like relationships, right? That's one where a lot of people tend to have a lot of, I think, toxic um, thought patterns and paradigms that they're, they may or may not be consciously aware of. But if you, you, and I see all the time, people have a relationship with like, even women with like an, an abusive partner. And then I hear, like I was working with a coworker. That's why I said woman, because it was a coworker that came to mind. And, um, she was in like one relationship that was really abusive, got out of that, and then got into another one that seemed to be going good. And then that became a really abusive relationship, got out of that one, and then the same thing again. And, uh, um, and it was funny because the, uh, the, one of the people we were working with asked her, he's like, you know, well, maybe if you find someone that you think, wow, I, I, I think this should be a guy I should go out with, maybe don't go out with that guy. <laughs> but the thing was, it was her, her uh, you know, it's, in in her mind, her subconscious, she's manifesting the same kind of experience. And I'm willing to bet she had these judgments about herself of like she wasn't worthy of receiving like a really fulfilling 
healthy relationship. And so it's whatever was going on in her subconscious was attracting and creating that same reality over and over again. She wasn't able to move past that despite consciously trying to think about and manifest a healthy, peaceful, loving relationship. Because like you said, the subconscious was manifesting the conscious in her case. Yeah. And uh, there was somebody on our YouTube, they were asking about Ryan. That's a different show, actually. Uh, so I sent you a message. Uh, they were asking Ryan on. And, uh, and so like, yeah, that's not Ryan. He didn't regrow his beard or anything like that. He, he, he actually has a different channel. Mm -hmm. And so if you head over to, I, I sent you a link to his Facebook group. He, he uh, streams them all there as well as to his YouTube channel, but I don't know his YouTube channel offhand. But if you go to the Facebook one, um, he can interact with you while he does a stream and uh, he does it there every morning at nine. So you didn't miss it probably for today, but you can watch the replay. But thanks for being on ours. Hopefully you like our show too. Yeah, yeah. Like, subscribe, and hang out and see what happens. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And uh, one of the things you just mentioned, too, it brings up another concept uh, that we call an access. It's called biomimetric mimicry. And biomimetric. So, biomimetric mimicry. And it's so like where you emulate like um, your parents or uh, people that you grew up with and things like that. So like in one of the scenarios that you were talking about, if you're recycling into this abusive relationship in your mind as a child, is that what you saw your parents doing? Were your parents like um, aggressive or abusive to one another? And did you learn that, hey, that's what a relationship looks like? And because you have the idea of this is what a relationship looks like, you recreate that in your life over and over again, just because that's the way. Like conceptually, consciously, you know that it's different. Uh, but if if you if you made it that that it could be something else, would you find your place in a judgment of your parents if you were to create a loving relationship and know it's possible? So there's like a, a whole bunch of energy around that. Like what could be um, like things that are resentment towards parents that might prevent you from manifesting a relationship? Because if you didn't have uh, that resentment, then you would have to judge your parents and then you feel guilty for judging your parents and it creates a slippery slope of judgments. Uh, so like, know that you don't have to identify all these things. All you, all you really need to be in the space of is, hey, where am I tripping myself up and creating these blocks where I'm not receiving and creating in the universe and just have the willingness to let that energy come up and using whatever energy technique you like to say it's it's free to move on now. There's a really cool access technique uh, that they ask us not to do on social media because it causes all kinds of questions. Uh, so unless you're a certified facilitator, they don't like you doing it. Uh, but there is, if you go to the, steer, the clearingstatement.com, it can give you a really good tool that when you bring up that energy, you just um, say the clearing statement and it just obliterates it out of existence. It gets to the core of whatever's causing the energy behind whatever it is you're looking to eliminate and off it goes. So go ahead. So I, all these questions, idea. yeah, all, all these questions and these techniques we're talking about, I think are really different methods for sort of shifting your paradigm. And uh, uh, I want to talk about that for a second, because when we have a, a particular set of subconscious beliefs around an idea of how something is supposed to work, whether that's relationships or your finances or career or, or whatever that might be. Um, uh, we have like a, a, a paradigm. So it's like our current mind frame, all of our subconscious thoughts, emotions, attached ideas around a particular subject or thing, right? That's the current paradigm we have of it. And um, so the reason we have difficulty uh, uh uh, changing the paradigm is that these ideas and things are so they're like indoctrinated into us often from a very young age, like Hank was saying. And so it's not uh, the 
it's seemingly not the easiest task to just go ahead and like reprogram all of that. Uh, but it is possible. And when we are able to do that, we have what's called a paradigm shift. And we, we completely shift the framework of our uh, paradigm of the ideas and the thoughts and all of that around a particular thing. And uh, it can be sort of a really big experience, uh, but it's, uh, it is possible. And when you, but you have to shift that paradigm in order to uh, truly be able to manifest, um, uh, I, I guess, more than you were previously capable of or manifest in a new way. Um, so these techniques by asking questions, that's one excellent way to begin to start to uh, shift that paradigm. And then also the question besides this lifetime, what if there are other lifetimes? Like, have you ever seen the movie Aladdin, the cartoon version, where yeah. where he the guy says to Aladdin, you are a worthless street rat. You were born a street rat. You will die a street rat. And you're, only your fleas will mourn you. So like how many past lives were some, was something said to like that that we buy into? Uh, and so what other experiences might we be aware of that are creating these glass ceilings and allowing ourselves to shift everywhere where we're stuck, not just in our perceived immediate reality, but everywhere where we have awarenesses of where we're fitting this role that will never be more, uh, will never be more than what we think we can be. <laughs> Do you, sorry, I would want to, some, for some reason, Spirit's telling me to talk about the topic of paradigms during all this. No, I'm just, I, good. So I just realized this might make me a little bit brighter, so I'm not as mysterious looking. Okay. But, but um, mysterious is good. People <laughs> like mysterious. So, um, can, do you have any experiences you recall of like a specific time when you when your paradigm was just suddenly and powerfully shifted, um, and and what was that experience like for you? So the thing that stands out the most, I was going to college, uh, David and Myers College, downtown Cleveland, and this one lady that was suspiciously, like in hindsight, like I don't even know if she was real, you know, like it was like somebody <laughs> that I interacted with, like uh, just a couple minutes each day but i never saw her anywhere else in the building and it's almost like uh, was she like uh that i just created her to give me this book right and she uh she said read this book it will knock your socks off she gave me um uh embraced by the light which is all about a near-death experience and it turns out i had a near-death experience i didn't remember it at the time yet uh but it really resonated and when i went to her the next day i, I read the whole book in less than a day i gave it back to her she's like well if you like that you'll love conversations with god go get that book and that was the last time i ever saw the lady <laughs> she was gone after that and i went to barnes and noble that day I, I devoured that book in a day and everything in there just sung to my soul it was like reading the truths that i always knew but never gave myself permission to know and from that day forward everything just rippled out differently like my whole world i looked through through different lenses mm. yeah um I, I think for me the uh biggest initial paradigm shift was um uh, when I had, uh, hmm, how do, I'm trying to think, there were a lot of things that created a lot of like really sudden paradigm shifts in a row, but in terms of energy, like I, I'm always working with energy. I'm going to be teaching classes on advanced energy techniques and all this stuff. And, and the energy stuff really even led me into shamanism. Uh, but I, I'll never forget, I was um, uh, studying at a local Zendo, uh, it's like a Zen temple, Zen meditation center. And um, I was, uh, really, really curious about the concept of chi and energy. And you would always talk about chi, but I had no real direct experience with it uh, at this point. And uh, so it was after the meditation, um, people sit around and talk and have tea and stuff. And everyone had left out. And it was just me and the teacher. And um, so we're sitting there and I'm asking, him, you know, what is chi? 
And so it's just, it's energy, right? This <laughs> is a Zen teacher. So they have a very like direct kind of uh, unique way of communicating their teachings. But, uh, you know, just energy. What do you mean? Is it, is it positive energy, negative energy? It's like electric or like, what, what do you mean energy? And uh, so as I'm asking all these questions and trying to like get this specific answer out of him, he just uh, casually takes off this little necklace, Buddha necklace that he has, straightens it out so it's hanging like this. And he takes his hand and he just makes this slight gesture like that toward it. And the thing goes from here to boom and swung all the way around the other side of his hand. And <laughs> it, it, so it wasn't like this, you know, gradual build up and then swinging around. It went from here to little gesture and woof, around the other side. And I just looked back and I was like, that was telekinesis. And he goes, that's just energy. <laughs> <laughs> and so then he shows me like all these other tricks, like he's holding it. Like, I don't know if you've ever had a pendulum, mm -hmm. uh, like that's like a magnet and you hold it around a, another like repelling magnet and they just like spin really rapidly around the outside of it because uh, the forces are repelling. So he took the necklace over his hand and it was doing that. Like it was like over a repelling magnet. And, um, <laughs> and I just said, and I was blown. So that was my first direct experience. Like to me, a real just proceeded to, uh, but I needed that. I needed that direct, like sort of physical experience of energy in order to get me to really start to study and research. And then I just dove headfirst into like every bit of information I could get on the topic of energy and then started to have experiences myself. And then that set me up for like a huge paradigm shift where all of a sudden it was like, <laughs> wow, I can feel this stuff and see it. And, <laughs> and then, you know, yeah. Th th that reminds me of a great story. This is from Zane, uh, one of the people that he studied with when they had originally gone to Peru to, to learn from the Kara up in the mountains. Uh, like they, they, you know, they're, you're trying to get the Kara to teach you and they basically throw coca leaf and they, they either bring you in or they throw rocks at you and chase you away. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but it's like all kind of misty and everything. And the, the Kara goes with a, like, um, with his Mesa, he like puts it up, holds it up up to the like kind of the sky and like the clouds part and a beam of light comes through touching the base he's like is this what you want to learn <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah yeah but i mean it's those experience powerful experiences like that can like sort of instantly shift a person's paradigm uh but yeah you mean and if you ask for it the universe will eventually uh, depending on how much resistance you have towards receiving the experience but it will give you an experience like that that will completely shift your paradigm. Uh, but know that there are easier techniques. You don't have to find a Zen master or, or go out to the ant, the mountains in the Andes and find a Caro in order to begin to shift your paradigm. You know, the, the thing that really comes to me now to, to share with you, like I've been in recovery from drinking for over 12 years now. My sobriety dates like March 8th, 12 years ago. And I remember the day before, or actually, was it the day before? That the day before I actually got help, or actually came to, I went into rehab and all that. I just remember this one, like I, I knew that I had the problem and all this stuff. And they say that you get to the point where you're sick and tired of being sick and tired. And there's just this this thing that comes from the entire totality of your being, where I just say, God help me. That was that was it. That was the only thing I said to the universe. And the next day, I ended up in the space where I actually got into rehab and actually got help. But it was that moment where you have like, if you make that demand of the universe, it wasn't a question. It's like things need to change or I'm dead. 
<laughs> that was basically the energy of it. And so, so if you can have that potency, like you don't need to have the addiction or the experiences that put you in a place where you're so pissed off at the world that you have to make the decree. De- de- you can just, with the totality of your being, say, you know, I want to have more of my day. Uh, I, w- I want to have more of me than I've ever had before and co-create with the universe. And Sarah's saying something here. She doesn't know how to leave comments on YouTube. I don't know what to tell you, dearie. Uh, but but yeah, YouTube, I, I, Mike, Mike seemed to um, post on YouTube just fine. So I know it can be done. Uh, maybe you need to be logged in if you're not logged in, if you're like yeah. in incognito mode, possibly. And she says, woohoo, congrats on 12 years. I just had my 12-year anniversary um, um, May 9th. Or sorry, not May 9th, March 9th last month. So... I've been sober so long, I forget how long it's been. You know, but, but, they, but they always say in the program, it's like, you don't have any time. All you have is today. All you have is today. So right. don't, don't get caught up with uh, how long you've been sober or anything like that. Because then if you start coasting through life, like if you, if you arrive at your paradigm shift and you're like, ah, I got it now. I can just coast through the rest of my life. There's only one way you can coast downhill. You're always looking to be the student to continue learning, to continue growing, to continue refining and to continue shifting to the next greatest version of who you can be. Absolutely. And I know like for me, uh, my, my, and there were many more, paradigm shifts that happen after the initial energy one, but they were, a lot of them were revolved around, um, uh, spirituality, uh, shamanism, energy work, manifestation, psychic abilities. Um, and I had a lot of really powerful experiences with that, which, um, I can't talk about all of them today because we only have an hour, but I wanted to share that, uh, the paradigms, uh, shifts continued to happen around my spirituality. But other than that, like my other sort of um, day-to-day life experiences and paradigms around other things. Uh, I, I'd never really looked to change anything. I thought everything was sort of, uh, just fine. And, um, so one, I'm going to sh- share the story. I feel called to share it now, but, um, one of the things, uh, you know, studying spirituality and, um, and learning about, uh, energy work and all this stuff, um, you know, and, and developing a more loving relationship with myself and then also developing my empathic abilities, my ability to sense the energy of other people, things, beings. Uh, I started to develop more compassion for people and animals and all of that. And so for a very, from a very early time on during all of this, I, uh, um, sorry, I got distracted by the, <laughs> no, that's a, it's a good comment. Growth is good for you. Plants still and some growing. Why should humans? Yeah. Yes. Yes. I love it. So, um, so anyway, so one of the things that sort of got, came up from an early time in my spiritual path was like, um, you know, I, I always talk about being peaceful. I always talk about, you know, wanting to help others become peaceful beings and like, you know, do no harm and all this stuff. Uh, and yet, I am eating dead animals every day. I'm eating steak for dinner like multiple nights a week and like meat and animal products and every single meal that I'm uh, eating. And um, so from a very early time, I knew I started to get the idea of like, you know, I think I should stop consuming animal products because this doesn't really align with my with any of my ideals. Um, But that was a paradigm that's like so deeply indoctrinated from a young age, like you need meat in order to survive, like you have to eat it <laughs> is the paradigm that I had in my mind from, from birth basically. Um, and so I, I continued to carry that with me for 
years and years, like, like over 10 years through my spiritual path, when I knew for, for, for over 10 years that it didn't align with my, with my morals and, and, and my uh, belief system. Uh, and then I finally started to uh, research and look into, um, uh, you know, uh, the, the health aspect side of uh, like a plant-based diet and then started to look into like more of what actually happens to the animals for in the majority of cases in order to get these pieces of steak that I was eating every <laughs> night uh, onto my plate and like the milk and eggs and all that stuff. And um, fine, and and I was doing all this research, and I knew it was horrible, and all this, and I was, you know, but I still thought I had this again. Still had that, like my ego was clinging on to the old paradigm, and would make excuses, like um, uh, 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 it, uh, the only way I could ever go completely plant based is if like I was in a relationship with a woman, and she was plant based, <laughs> and she just cooked all my food for me. That was one of the last things my ego was holding on to. But then I finally went and watched uh, a talk by this guy who uh, gives lectures at universities. And he started to show some of the slaughterhouse footage, which I'd never watched at this point. Um, because I knew, and again, in my head, I was like, if I watch that footage, I'm just gonna go vegan overnight. And I didn't want to, <laughs> the paradigm was still trying to cling on. But he said, he brought up in this, he said, listen, if, if this footage uh, isn't good enough for your eyes, then why is it good enough for your stomach? So I urge you not to turn away and to actually watch this. And I did, and it was so horrifying that I just overnight paradigm shifted and went completely plant-based and vegan and have never looked back. And a lot of amazing things have come out of that. I've, and I just, yeah, so, but that was like a paradigm that I'd never even was aware that I had around food and my lifestyle. And that was a huge paradigm shift for me. And it shifted everything. The way that I see my, and food, you know, is one of our basic survival needs. So my relationship with the food I was eating and the paradigms and the thoughts I had around that completely shifted. And then walking through the supermarket, it's like, you know, all this stuff that like people claim is like food or just hacked up dead animals. And I don't see them as, and so that was a huge paradigm shift that sort of changed uh, like the view of my reality again. And I thought for years, I was like, oh, I've shifted the paradigms. Like, you know, spirituality, I'll continue to grow, whatever, but like, there's nothing else that needs to shift. And that kind of like blindsided me. So yeah, always be open. You never know what's going to shift. Well, and for me, I was doing, uh, I happen to be plant-based as well. I used to say I'm vegan until Casey corrected me yesterday because I, <laughs> I, I, I'm not plant-based for any of the reasons that he is. Uh, I, I, I actually just started asking my body. I had the awareness that the body and the being are two different things. And my body's the one eating, not me. Like not, the being's not the one eating, the body's eating. So I said, hey, body, what would you like to eat? And it's like, not that. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and so <laughs> I, I went I went vegan plant-based virtually overnight while I'm at Chipotle thinking about what I was going to get. I'm like, body, what would you like? And normally I get steak or something else. And it's like, not that. I'm like, okay, I'll have the sofritas, please. <laughs> and, and, like, and just things just didn't feel light. And I, I say that, you know, if tomorrow my body said, hey, I need a steak. I would be, are you sure? <laughs> like, this, like you haven't had one in a long time, but um, I would honor that, that the body, if the body needs it for some reason, but then I would make as most uh, ethical choice as I could in the selection of, of whatever I was going to eat. So, but, but even with um, food, I ask, or uh, fruits and things, I'll ask uh, body, is this light for you? And sometimes I get a yes on grapes and sometimes no. And when I start paying attention, there's a one particular fungicide that they use on grapes. And if the grapes happen to have that, I'll get a no and I'll check. I'm like, oh yeah, it had that in there. And then the times that it's not there, I, I don't, I, I get a yay. 
yeah, you can get the grapes. So like, I just started listening to my body. Hey body, what would you like? And, and it surprises me sometimes. So it's just like, really, you want pineapple and pistachios? For what reason do you want this? And it's like, well, all right, I'll get you pineapple and pistachios. And, uh, my, you know, Ryan, he, he was a diehard vegan for the longest time and he's now eating fish because of, of a similar story, which I won't go into, but it's just like, and he, and he, he was one of the in your face vegans, you know, yeah. and like, like afterwards, like everybody's giving him a hard time now, like, Oh, Mr. Vegan, you're eating fish every day. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, no, but it is. And that's, I know I, I don't, spirit came through and told me to share that. And I, I didn't think I was going to share it on stir crazy shamans, that story, because for a lot of people, that is like a powerful, like our, our relationship with food is, um, uh, is something that we have a lot of like really intense uh, emotions around. And when people bring up uh, ideas that sort of challenge any current paradigm around like finances, relationships, food or anything, but in particular food, because it is such a like survival thing. Uh, and that's it, so like instinctive to us. When people question, bring things up that question your paradigm around food, then, then people uh, really get like defensive around it. Um, so my point in sharing that was not to, um, uh, like I'm not trying to tell anyone they have to go plant-based or anything like that. I was sharing that from the space of like, that was a really powerful example of how one particular very strong paradigm for myself was able to shift um, uh, just due to the universe sort of lining things up for me and to always be open to, um, you know, new information, right? It doesn't have to be around like your diet or anything like that, but regarding relationships or your finances, you know, if you, if you think, you know, <laughs> the, the, anything, if you think you know the way things are or should be about your finances, relationship, your diet, etc., always be open to new information. And um, if you already uh, know that your mindset can completely shift around this sort of thing, and your your view of reality can change almost instantaneously. Uh, so I think that's a very humbling thing for me. It was a very humbling experience. Um, so yeah, always always be open. Yeah. And just a little side story. Uh, years ago, when I was at fellowships going through the two-year training, I actually had an awareness that it meant that someday I would be plant-based. I'm like, well, if I'm going to be a man, I'm junking it up now. And I, <laughs> I, just, I was eating all the bad things and uh, I got it out of my system, I guess, because I, I had this knowing, like, oh, eventually all this is going to be gone from my diet. <laughs> I like, I'm like, but I like this stuff. So I'm like, I'm going to, I intentionally junked it up and I, my body paid for it a little bit. Cause I was eating like the opposite of where I was going because I knew it was coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, it looks like we got a lot of comments coming through. I just realized. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. So I see a lot of stuff. Oh, some people are just uh, responding to the. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> they're always out there. <laughs> but um, but I like Sarah's comment. She's like, "You wouldn't force a romantic partner to eat poison, so why would you do it to your body? Oh, and your body knows what po is poisonous in the moment." That's uh, a get, great one. Get, getting back to like to asking your body, like really, what what would your body like? Like, what would be a kindness to your body? Of because it's the one eating. And even my my wardrobe. When I started asking that question, I started buying different clothes. I started uh, wearing different styles and stuff like that. And my wife actually said, "Thank you so much. Like it's the first time in your life you're actually buying fitted clothes." Because I would buy like whatever the cheapest jeans were for ten bucks at Costco or whatever. <laughs> and like now I was buying like these are seventy dollar jeans. Really, buddy, you want seventy dollar jeans? It's like yeah. I'm like okay. <laughs> so, but but you start like kind of feeling uh, it a bit more. 
Yeah, and and really paying attention and listening to what your uh, body is telling you uh, is is really important. Uh, like I work in massage therapy, and so many people come to me, and um, you know they're like, ah, oh, like I'm in so much pain, I can't, I can't, I can't even lift my shoulder. I can't work because I'm in that much pain. And uh, so you know, I ask them, okay, well, what happened? Did you injure yourself? No, it just, it just started one day. And, and they're not even able to identify like any precursor leading up to it. But then I get other people who come in and, and so I, and, and working on those people, I'm able to get a feel for like, okay, you've got an enormous trigger point or adhesion in your fascia, like right here in this muscle. And, uh, you know, then I'm able to work. And sometimes it takes like session after session, like hours and hours of work in order to get the soft tissue to like return to normal. Um, but then there's other people, and, and those people aren't in tune with their body, but these other people come in and uh, they may say, like, you know, uh, you know, I'm, you know I, I need a lot of work, like, around here, here, and here. And then I ask, you know, is it painful? They're like, no, it's not painful, but, you know, I'm starting to get, like, it's starting to pull, and it feels like if I keep, like, keep working in the way I'm going, then it's going to become painful. <laughs> and, uh, and and I love, so the difference is these, the people getting that kind of work done, and, and uh and, and are, are aware of that, they're tuned into their bodies and they're able to listen to what their bodies are telling us. We don't just randomly have injuries that pop up with like no underlying like precursor or nothing leading up to it. Um, as far as like just soft tissue dysfunction, at least, and that sort of thing. Uh, like our body is always communicating with us and will give us signs and signals uh, as far as like, you know, if you really pay attention, you start to feel like, ooh, that's a little tighter than it should be. A lot of people would just either not recognize that at all, or just be like, "Yeah, well, whatever. I got to work," and then continue to go along with it. Um, oh, you, you were going to say something? No. Well, yeah, keep going. <laughs> oh. but, but Sarah's at LMT as well, so she knows exactly what you're referring to. Not many people with body awareness. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. And uh, um, uh, but th uh, bringing the attention to the body and listening to it, it will tell you all kinds of things about what it needs. And um, it may not be food. It may be like you need to like stretch exercise in a different way. You may need to get massage therapy or some other form of like therapy. You may need to work with certain plants or whatever, uh, but the body will tell you how to heal itself. Uh, and it will tell you how to prevent injury and disease from happening if we really listen to it. But it takes that awareness and learning to listen. And talking about the body, the body's job in this and is to allow us to have this perceived physical experience and duality, but it's also this immense sensory perception apparatus, right? It is how we sense things in the, our environment. It's how empaths sense things. And one thing that will happen is if the being is aware of something that it's not willing to acknowledge, it doesn't mean the body won't acknowledge it for you. So is that a back pain like, or whatever's going on in your body? One, is it yours? And if it's not yours, you might want to ask the question, well, what am I unwilling to acknowledge that if I, if the being were to acknowledge would change everything in the body with total ease? Because a lot of that stuff that we're feeling in our body may be just the empath's way to, to make that, that awareness manifest because you're not willing to acknowledge it over here. And all you would have to do is be, acknowledge that you're aware of something and then it doesn't, doesn't impact the body at all. Yeah, because everything that happens, whether it's physical pain or um, some kind of like autoimmune disease, uh, they all happen first within our energy fields, uh, within our, our spirit somewhere. And then they manifest on a, a mental, emotional level, a physical level, or however they manifest. Uh, but yeah, there's always something within our field of awareness, our field of energy that is the precursor to that. Um, 
One, one quick story too. Like I, I think I might have even said this on a previous show. What I was at uh, getting a reading somewhere, and on my way home, I just had the sudden feeling and like this pain going through my head, and I'm like. I don't know what just happened, but I know I'm going to miss conversations with God tonight. So I had Ryan uh, run that meeting and I found out later that day, my grandpa had committed suicide by shooting himself in the head. Oh, and wow. so, so just like when you, when you're, if you suddenly have a headache and I'm not saying that every headache is somebody shooting themselves or something like that, you know, yeah. but, but really like take a pause and be like, well, is it really mine? Is it a headache or do I, cause it didn't turn into a headache. And the reason it didn't is because I had an awareness that, like I, I was just open, like, I know something just happened. And maybe I didn't want to know what just happened because I didn't get the exact information at that point. But I knew I wasn't going to be doing anything that night. Well, once I found out, whatever. It was like the Yoda thing. Or no, not Yoda. Obi-Wan Kenobi, there's been a disturbance in the Force. <laughs> you know, like, So I knew something happened. Uh, but like when you have a headache or anything like that, take a step back and ask, one, is it mine? Two, um, if it's not mine, you know, what can I do with it? how can I change it and and start asking questions and just um, let yourself come to your own awarenesses and choices as to what you can do to mitigate stuff like that. Like go see Casey for a massage. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you for the plug. Um, uh, and then uh, also as far as, uh, you know, things not being yours uh, with uh, empathic abilities, like there's more and more people recognizing that they are empaths, but I think people sort of stop at the emotional side of empathic abilities and they don't realize that we can feel other physical sensations besides just emotions in people. For example, when I was first starting to really validate and recognize and play with my uh, empathic abilities, I would uh, meet someone like for the first time, I used to go into these like online uh, chat rooms and talk to people about like spiritual stuff. Cause I didn't know wonderful people like you at the time that I could talk to. Oh. Um, but I, but I would, um, uh, I would go in and like someone would, would come on and they would just say hi. And I'm and, and you know, my, at least, you know, I sort of don't have the, um, mental barriers that where some people think they have to be in the same room as the other person in order to feel emotion. Like they're on the other side of the planet. Our energy is, you know, space is just an illusion. So I would, they would just say like, hi, I wouldn't have a picture of them or anything, not even their real name, but I can feel their energy there and I would connect with it. And just from the word hi, I would feel like, and I would start to type, do you have a headache? And it's like really concentrated, like just above your right temple. And they would go, how the fuck? Oh, excuse me. Oh, uh, <laughs> oh, no. oh, no. We got to get friendly on this one. Oh, no. We're, well, hey, we're not, we're not monetized. So. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Oh, man. Yeah. So, anyway. Maybe but, we uh, should have a rated our shaman segment and then you can get Bali off bombs you want. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but, you know, just how did you know that? And, uh, uh, and, you know, I just type, I was able to sense it. And then same thing, people would come on and, uh, you know, like if someone was sick, I, I just would start to feel in my own physical body. And, and when I would feel that, no, I could feel it as if it was happening in myself, but it was so sudden and it was associated with the moment that I came into contact with that person's energy. That's when I started to play with, okay, I don't think this is mine. Let me ask, Hey, are you feeling this? And like, so even like with colds, like all of a sudden my sinuses would become really clogged up or something. And I go like, do, do you have allergies or a cold or something? And I'd be like, oh yeah, this has really been bothering me in my sinuses lately. And I go, wait a minute, how did you know that? And, you know, I can sense it, I can feel it. But um, so I think that happens a lot of the time subconsciously when we're not um, 
uh, you know, playing with it uh, like like I was, we can just be in the same room as someone else, have a headache or something, some pain, back pain or whatever. For us empaths, we may be just feeling the pains of another person's body, and um, and uh, but we need to make sure that we're not carrying that with us when we're not in the same room as that person or interacting with our energy field. Well, I used to get these, um, these manifestations of a cold and I mean, it was like, you can't hardly breathe anything at all. And my kids never got sick. My wife never got sick. And I had the awareness like it actually wasn't a cold. It was something else. And what it turned out to be is people that I would work with, if they happened to pass away um, and their spirit was like trying to come through, uh, just right after they pass, once they would go into the light, I would be able to just do my mediumship thing. But it was like with earthbound spirits specifically that I would know that we're trying to communicate. Like I, I did not have an interest in that world. So I was kind of like on that one radio receiver. I'm like, I'm blocking that channel. Right. But mm -hmm. now when like I had the, the real oneness when my friend Dan, who was like a second father to me, he had passed and I had one of those colds. And at the funeral, I finally had the awareness. I'm like, oh, this is Dan trying to get through to me. And as soon as I shifted and I was like, hey, Dan. That sucked, didn't it? <laughs> and and like the cold went away, and I got goosebumps as I'm telling the story. Uh, and like the cold went away instantly, and a mint, and like like virtually in a second, you know, like a blowing your nose once and done, and there's no more cold. And so like that's just another thing. And this is all tying into co-creating with the universe because our, us acknowledging the things that we're aware of and making choices based on that awareness is really where the co-creating with the universe comes from because it's giving us all this data. It's giving us all these things that we could use to create our life uh, however we would like. And if you're not paying attention and you're not willing to acknowledge all the things you could be acknowledging and making choices based on it, it's like that rowboat scenario we were saying yesterday. It's giving you all these tools to get you into going where you're choosing to go, but you're not rowing. <laughs> so instead of instead of going where you want to go, you're just going in a circle because you're you're not rowing. Only the universe is rowing, and you just keep going in the circle until you you finally get it. Like, oh, I need to row too. I need to start using this stuff, and now you're you're heading downstream. Yeah. So listening to the body, listening to your surroundings, all of that stuff, beginning to tune in, tap in, and really pay attention. And this um, the real power uh, behind all of this co-creating lies within that sort of listening to the the feeling and the, the sacred silence and the communication of the universe. We tend to think of like power as being this sort of like loud, explosive thing in the universe, but that's not where the true creational power of the universe lies. It comes, it all arises from the sacred silence. So until we can bring ourselves to a certain level of silence, we're not able to hear all this communication from our bodies, from the external environment, etc. So we need to access that silence. Yeah, and the the thing is that if anything you have in there that is a distractor implant, fear, anger, resentment, uh, all these different things that kind of pop up, they're all there to distract you from touching it with the silence. That's why when you start to meditate for the first time, some people feel way more anxious because all these boulders in there are being heaved up that, uh, you know, you got to kind of sift through it in order to get into the place where you can really settle in and just be with you, yourself, and your soul. And, and have the ego, you know, the ego's job is to keep you separate so you can have the experience, but it's also, it wants you to survive and it will let you relive your worst day over and over again because it knows that you survive. So like, thank you, ego, for keeping me separate. We're going to put you on the side. We're going to settle in and we're going to do this. <laughs> and I notice um, Sarah's been commenting a lot. Sarah, we have the option to bring you into the live stream if you'd want to come in and talk. If you're feeling brave, no pressure at all. But if you feel called to join us and you want to join in on the conversation, we can have you on screen. We'll just send you a link. So let us know if you're interested. 
Yeah, she, but, she, she, but it's Saturday morning. She might not have done her hair, you know. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's 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 quarantine. It's quarantine days right now. Yeah. All, it's fine. No one's worried about your appearance. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just messing. Uh, Sarah's like one of the people that I call her my soul sister. Like we met during a, um, I, I was hosting a sound healing retreat and she came out for that and we just became like instant best buds. She's like, not today, maybe next time. Exactly. Yeah, she's not ready. Uh, you know, that's not a big deal for us, but I can tell you, like, uh, my wife would be the same way. She's like, I am not, you know, I didn't take my shower yet or whatever. She's not going to just go on. <laughs> oh, well, I, 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 that's, that's why we're starting at 930 today instead of nine. I had to get my beard all pretty, Hank. I know. <laughs> it takes a long time to get this beard looking like this. <laughs> oh, Dr. K is joining us now, too. Oh, welcome. <laughs> yeah, most folks avoid silence. Uh, and, and Dr. K, she's on with me on Fridays. We're doing like a holistic highlight segment, uh, but she sees that most folks avoid silence. TV goes on first thing in the morning. You know, my parents are like that. Like if I go over their house, like it's nonstop. The TV is yeah. always on and it's CNN or Hallmark, depending who has control of the remote. <laughs> yeah. And my parents are the same way. Like, well, uh, we, they have a beautiful cabin down in Southern Ohio in the woods. Like, I mean, the, the back patio is overlooking like this, hill that goes down and just trees and forest and there's all these birds and it's absolutely beautiful and uh, my dad's better about it when he's down there uh, but you know same thing first thing in the morning they get up there and like I'm not down there all the time they're down there like every weekend but for me I want to get up and experience like some of the silence and then the beautiful sounds of nature that are down there to me like I like to experience that in the morning I, I don't well, I mean I could go to the metro parks first thing in the morning every day but I don't always do it but there it's you literally take two steps and it's right there and, and you can see it from any room of the house. But as soon as they get up, it's boom, TV's on. Uh, and, you know, and, 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 and one having a television on in the background, uh, I, I don't like the energy of it, especially if I'm not like actually sitting down to like try and watch some program. Uh, it makes me very, uh, it gives me almost anxiety. <laughs> so I don't like that in general, but, but to me, it just blows my mind that like, you know, you have this, vast beauty of this nature here and why aren't you taking advantage of absorbing that instead uh -oh. of having to oh what is that slippery slope why are you not doing that oh why well no like, <laughs> but see like if you have parents like that and i fell into this trap for many years but like why are my parents like this and then i find myself making choices that create the same circumstances where i'm doing the same thing i, I was a drinker for how many years right and mm -hmm. i was medicating myself and it's like oh well no wonder if i felt like that all the time i would do that too you know, so like, but if you put out the energy of like why someone does something or I wish I could understand them, the universe will say, oh, you want to know why? No problem. Let's set some circumstances up. Let's give you some experiences that will let you have the experience of why they're choosing that. And so you want to be really careful with asking why and, <laughs> yeah. and saying, I wish I could understand my parents. Do you really want to know? Or, or does it feel lighter to say what contribution could I be if and when they're ready to change? Yeah. <laughs> and, and like so like there's a whole different potency with that kind of question as like I, I came to the awareness when i was getting sober my sponsor said because i said i wish i could help people around me that have the same issue and he's like well instead of saying that say i'm i'm so grateful that i'm in a place of sobriety if and when they're ready for help i'm in a position to help now and it feels totally lighter and is very empowering because ultimately everybody has to choose to change themselves so we, you can't make anybody change yeah, yeah, I completely agree. Thank you for <laughs> for catching that because I'm I'm still learning the the subtleties of the whole question thing, and I think I can, and I know I can always. Well, I do it too, and you can call me out when I do it. <laughs> yeah, but I, but I know I can. Uh, we can all always improve 
as far as uh, the way that we're interacting with our own mind and using language to convey these ideas to our others and ourselves. And I think it is important that we. Um, we got a good one. Go ahead. Keep, keep going. Oh, <laughs> no, go ahead. I, whatever it was. It says, uh, how can I have compassion for this person without understanding? Well, if, if you have compassion for somebody, do you have to have a judgment that they're inferior or that they're not in the place that they're supposed to be? And so compassion is um, kind of a, a tricky one because you feel like, oh, I need to be compassionate. But in order to be compassionate, does that put you in a state of judgment? So instead of compassion, what would it feel like if I could be an allowance of wherever they are? Like wherever they are, they're exactly where they are. And that's a that's a true statement no matter who it is. They're right where they are, great. And then instead of being compassion, which might be putting you in a place of judgment, be in a place of, I'm an allowance of that. And if and when they're ready for contribution for me, I'm willing and able to, to give that to them or to be a, a vessel for them to receive that change. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And um, uh, so I didn't mean to derail your comment. <laughs> no, no, not at all. <laughs> Whatever it was must have not been what I was meant to say because it's gone. Um, but yeah, uh, I was just trying to sort of absorbing and seeing what spirit had to come through as far as uh, uh, how can I have compassion for this person without understanding? Yeah, again, you know, really make sure, like Hank said, you're not um, uh, judging that person because we can get into sort of the mindset of like, oh, wow, you know, that person is like, you know, the. I'm, we have the subconscious idea of like, I'm up here and like they're suffering because they're just not as conscious and aware as I am. So like, oh, I feel so compassionate towards them and that's the wrong energy. But if you have real compassion in that, like someone is um, suffering, creating a lot of suffering for themselves and those around them, um, you know, uh, uh, I think one thing that can be helpful is to remember that all of the, oftentimes we, most of us who are in a place of, deeper understanding of consciousness and spirit, et cetera, or have a deeper level of connection. If we can, I'm just saying that for the time being using words and all, in essence, it's all the same. We're all one consciousness, but uh, we all went through a lot of suffering and chaos, at least in my experience to get here to a certain level, some more than others. But remember that, um, you know, whatever level of chaos and suffering this person's causing in their own life, um, they're acting from their current paradigm. And so, uh, and, and until that paradigm shifts, like we were talking about, um, they're, they're just doing what they were sort of programmed and they're doing, they're acting within uh, their current frame of mind. And at the, the time in that moment, they're not able to act outside of that. And remember that at one point, your paradigm was different also. And so, um, you know, realize that uh, just because they are in a different paradigm doesn't mean they're under or below or above you, um, but that you can have compassion for them in the way that, you know, oh, I'm here for you lovingly and just listen to that person. And sometimes just being in that space, listening uh, to them and truly experiencing them for who they are is what that person might need to sort of shift their paradigm. And uh, so sometimes it's not about like, you know, what do we need to do to be compassionate? It's what do we need to be to be compassionate? And sometimes just being, being present and fully experiencing that person without any of the judgment is what that person needs in the moment in order to have that shift. Right. And just to read this, I just Googled, uh, this is the first definition that comes up for compassion, sympathetic pity and concern for the suffering or misfortunes of others. The victim should be treated with compassion. That was the very first. Oh, yeah. Not, not a good definition. And, and another one, <laughs> compassion literally means to suffer together. Among emotional researchers is divine as the feeling that arises when you are confronted with another suffering and feel 
motivated to relieve that suffering. So that, like I granted, like when Sarah was saying she gets tripped up with the words behind it, that might not have been the energy behind, because like Casey says, words point to things, right? And the way that you're using compassion, it was apparently totally different than the way that I might use compassion. And what you use as compassion, I might use as, I might look at as grace, or I might look at as, well, how can I inspire this person? So uh, like energetically, what what the the driving force is, I feel is like there you have this this thing where what could I do or what could I be to help this person shift is really the energy behind it, and that's just to be in a space of allowance and being willing to be there if and when they're ready to take that helping hand. You can you can be available like they would always say. Um, of going back to AA a little bit, like I, I didn't realize how much metaphysics is really built into AA, which, does, which doesn't which doesn't surprise me. Dr. Bob, uh, his friend was uh, Raymond Cassidy and Raymond Cassidy founded Rishi's Metaphysical Institute. And there was a lot of metaphysics that was built into the 12 steps. So it doesn't surprise me. Uh, but they, he would say like, really it's it's all about being available. Like if and when you're like, you can't keep your sponsor, uh, whoever you're sponsoring sober, but being available if and when they're ready for help, you're there. And uh, so it's just like making sure you're available and and being the best you you can be in the highest vibration and making sure they, they know you're available. I had one friend uh, when I worked at Bank of America that uh, he, he would always make fun of all the stuff that I'm doing, right? And he was a hardcore atheist and he was a big uh, you know drinker and all this stuff. And he has two years now and he had messaged me just the other days. He's like, you know, I used to make fun of you. He's like, but you man, damn man, you were my Yoda. <laughs> or whatever he was saying it's like and i was just putting i was just being me like the, the greatest kindness you could be is despite where anybody else is at to be you and yeah. and and so they'll remember that and if and when someone's ready they're going to remember that vibration and they will know that you have that energetic medicine that is right for their soul that's going to help them bring themselves out and choose differently. So be you. That's the greatest uh, contribution you can be to anybody is you are your own greatest gift to the world when you can be 100% you. Hmm. And accepting others for wherever they are uh, at and whoever they are in the moment, right? Um, so, you know, and, 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 and to truly be ourselves, we have to, uh, I think, be, um, we have to have a certain level of awareness that I don't know. Where am I going with this spirit? <laughs> Hold on. Let me uh, let me let me connect to this silence and see what's coming through. That's funny. Offline, I'll tell you what happened energetically there. <laughs> okay, so something did happen. Oh yeah, that was great. <laughs> uh, um, uh, oh, wow. What are we? What are we even talking about? I don't it, know. It, what happened was that good. <laughs> So what energy, space, consciousness, and choice can our body beings and beyond be to offer the right words and the right energy for the space that we are at in our conversation. And anything that doesn't allow that, we destroy and uncreate it. And then clearing statement, which I can't say on TV or live air. No, 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 no. Good. Go. Okay. <laughs> so um, uh, if we're so caught up in the thought stream and, and the uh, the emotions, uh, and we are really identified with the ego, then we're unconsciously sort of filtering everything through a lens, including these people that we're trying to um, help, right? I think that's about where we're trying to assist them in growing, awakening. Um, <laughs> Oh, <laughs> that was awesome. 5911. <laughs> so anybody. Oh, wow. That was great. That was great. Okay. Pot and pack all that stuff too. 
<laughs> I can't wait to hear what's going on with all of this. <laughs> oh, man. Because, guys, if you saw us just switch, neither of us did that. No, you didn't do that. That wasn't no, you. no, that was not me. My hands are not anywhere near the board. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm saying like, uh, okay, uh, so one one moment. Let's like, just acknowledge all the entities that are here just to uh, mess with us. All right, thank you for your contribution. And truth, who are you? Truth, who are you before that? Truth, who are you before that? Truth, who are you before that? And truth, who would be in the future? Take all your magnetic imprinting and your luggage. Return to once you came. All right, should be good now. Go. Ooh. <laughs> Just right there, as the at the end of that, I was getting I this twitching in like the left side of my temple. That was very interesting. No, so yeah, oh yeah, the people are working with us. Um, but I'll continue to work on this while you go. <laughs> um, okay, return. Where? What energy can I be to return to that spot <laughs> where I was in the conversation <laughs> and allow the most beautiful, elegant words to flow through for the betterment of myself and others? So I was reviewing. <laughs> Uh, as we're, as we're, uh, if, if we're identified with the thought and we're unconsciously viewing it, everything through the lens of the ego, and we're always placing judgments on others and these people that we're trying to assist or be there for, be compassionate for whatever words you want to use. Um, we're not, a, we'll never be in the space where we can truly help them because we're not seeing them as they are. We have these ideas of them, even if they're good ideas, right? We might have the idea uh, of, about a person like, wow, they're this kind, compassionate, helpful, caring, beautiful, intelligent, whatever person. And, um, but we're, we're still judging them and we're not seeing them for who they truly are. Whether we have negative judgments or positive judgments, we still have these labels that we're sort of seeing everything through this filter. So to become really present with ourselves and not view ourselves through those filters, to be truly present, to experience the isness uh, within yourself, that's the only way you're able going to be you're ever going to be able to be in that space for other people and being in that space of truly being and recognizing that that person is the same isness as you. That's where like true connection, true love and compassion arises from is in recognizing not that this is another person that. I, I need to help because they're suffering, but that's me. That's literally the same thing as me. And I want me to be the highest expression of love and good that I can. So find that within yourself and you'll recognize that it's the same in everyone else around you. They're all that same oneness, that same isness, that same being. Very cool. I only tuned in for the very end of that. <laughs> but, but, I saw you were doing work with the Mason. Yeah. So um, it's the, but in, in shamanism, we call this whole space the Kausai Pacha. It's the field of living energy. And, and we're all the same animated essence in this duality of, of where we're perceiving things. And that's what, uh, just in my words, uh, the, you're, you're recognizing everybody's the same animated life essence. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and you know, but again, you have to find that in yourself. So, but, you know, sometimes people find it in themselves through, uh, you know, um, uh, the the external and there are different I think the way I've heard uh, heard it put is there are different doorways into the now into oneness into that field and one of them is through like our sense perceptions right so when we're out in the natural setting of the forest um, a lot of people feel like really present and they get this sense of you know like immense peace and tranquility and you, you know you ask people how was how was your hike oh, it was perfect it was wonderful it was amazing. Right. And uh, and why is that? And that's because, well, one, the vibration of nature is just naturally amazing and, and as it should be. Um, but uh, it's it's a, a doorway into 
the oneness, the isness, because in nature there aren't other egos or the manifestations of ego um, around. So you're able to connect with that which is beyond it. And so it helps us to step into that space. Uh, but whatever way you are able to connect with that, whether it's sitting down in silence, meditating, being out in the forest, learning to bring that with you outside of the experience of being in the forest or meditating and bringing it into every experience you have, whether you're uh, talking to your romantic partner or, you know, working at your job or whatever it is, bring that with you so that everything becomes this divine experience. Absolutely. And let's see what was. And one thing I just want to acknowledge, like I never really had the idea when we started this, um, you know, that, that we would be impacting people without bodies as well. <laughs> And so uh, I, I think moving forward, uh, before we go on air, uh, we are going to take a moment to not only acknowledge that the, the people that we may be reaching, but all the people's entities that we are reaching at the same time and the contribution that we can be not just to the people out there for choices, but a lot of us have baggage uh, of the things going on and uh, other <laughs> entities with us. Uh, and so we're just taking a moment to acknowledge all the entities here that are here for contribution and creating the space for them to learn and grow and um, with just an intention to make this available to them too and not just uh, the bodies with beings that we're talking to or dual occupants or walk-ins, whatever words you want to use. But I felt it really important to acknowledge that right now. So just rolling with that. Yeah, love it. And I just realized we're almost coming up in the hour already. Wow, that was hey, that Anthony. flew by. <laughs> hey, Anthony's one of my other peeps from the bank. Yeah, I'm still doing my crazy, uh, crazy shaman stuff. <laughs> Some of the teams at the bank used to call me the team healer. I was always the first person to know when people were pregnant or something and they needed like ginger essential oil and stuff like that. So <laughs> awesome. I, I, yeah, I was always doing my thing, no matter what people bought. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, one of the, as far as doing your own thing and being yourself, an interesting little side story. Uh, at one point, I, well, for a long time when I was first learning about my spiritual practices and like getting into energy healing, doing all this stuff, I was really uncomfortable talking to people about it, especially people who weren't already like really into this stuff. I was really uncomfortable talking to anyone. And, um, one of the lessons I took was from uh, uh, the Vikings, right? I was on it. I think it was a shamanic journey I was on. And uh, and I don't know if it was the first time, but I, there were many times when I'd met with um, uh, Odin, right? Uh, he's uh, like the, uh, I know, the, 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 yeah, the main god in, in, tool, so in, in, in Norse mythology. But anyway, uh, so like uh, Odin and the Vikings had this very strong message for me of like, um, you know, look at the Vikings. Uh, you know, they're they're and I, you know they're not a very peaceful race of beings, and they weren't telling me to learn from their lessons, as in like go out and like want to kill people and like die in battle. What they were saying was, look at their conviction, right, about their spirituality. The Vikings were a very spiritual people, and it was a different kind of spirituality than than like the path I'm walking. But they had such conviction about it that you know they didn't care. You know, if you didn't if you didn't uh, believe in what they believe in, you know, they were going to fight. And if they died, they're like, that's awesome. I'm going to Valhalla. And, <laughs> and but, but so the lesson that, that I was, I was learning from that was, um, have the same kind of conviction, right? You know what, you know, I know what I know. And if other people aren't ready to hear that, then they're not ready to hear that. And that's fine. Um, but, uh, you know, just sort of have that same kind of, uh, level of conviction about like, it doesn't matter if someone is like judging, they don't think the same way it can affect me because I, I know, <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't know how else to put it, but I thought that was a kind of funny story that it was the Vikings that uh, taught me that lesson. Yeah, yeah. and I, I forget, Ryan could talk to more about it because he, he's big with Nor uh, Norse runes, and I, that was my first divination tool. I picked up runes and was reading runes way back, way, way back. Yeah. Um, but uh, he, he would say, like, the people there recognize, like, the Vikings specifically that want that were on the boats and doing all the things, they recognize that that's who they were. And they said, go be who you are, but go be it over there. <laughs> and they actually, like, <laughs> you know, they were honoring of what they were being and uh, even supportive of the community of, of, of what they were doing, you know. But pretty cool. And Sarah says this hour is awesome. I thought so, too. Sarah was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was great. They all, some of them. I mean, I think they all go by pretty fast for us because we're having fun. But I looked up at that clock and I was like, "Whoa, that that was nowhere near an hour." It felt like it passed. Yeah. So, so for tomorrow, are we going to do one, or do you think we should like a pre-record a thing? Because I or oh, is it is it Easter? Tomorrow? Tomorrow's Easter. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm I'm fine to do it if you I, whatever you uh, feel. Yeah. Well, let me talk to the wife and see. Well, I want to honor her. Of uh, the family day at the same time, but maybe yeah. if not, we can hop on later and do a little pre-recording and uh, schedule it. Sure, yeah, whatever feels latest. Uh, someone says, "Don't end shows," oh. but all good <laughs> things must. But, no, but see now in the ever-present moment of now, uh, you really can uh, continue on with the show. Like you have the energy of the show, tap into it and use it as a trampoline to soar to your new heights of who you can be taking it as an inspiration but not as a definition and not as a conclusion because when definition and conclusion we're in we're, we're fixed in time and we're we're coming to a a standstill of energy where if you are using it as a momentum to choose new things you're just using it as an insp inspiration and you're soaring with all kinds of new possibilities and uh, I just wanted to say real quick, because I noticed we've actually had a lot of, uh, Sarah and a few other people interacting today. So thank you all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for your comments. And, and I've been reading all of them and the ones and, and I, I wish we would have uh, pulled up a little more of them on screen, but that's that's totally fine. We will in the future. But know that we've been reading all of them and we're very, very grateful for all of your comments and your interaction that we really appreciate the energy and the contribution there. So thank you. Thank you so much for that. It's all of you. Yep, a Nike, a Nike, a Nike. Thank you, guys. And did you want to do your? I, I don't know which one you want to do, so you, I'll leave it to you. Okay, so here we go. So to close, uh, again, always lots and lots of gratitude. You can never have enough gratitude. Thank you all for your energy and your attention. Thank you, thank you, thank you. A Nike, a Nike, a Nike, and also thanks to all the spirits and entities that were here with us. <laughs>